0: Podcast Network Asia.
1: The Podcast of Plastic is an initiative by the Break Free from Plastic Movement. Hashtag Break Free from Plastic is composed of more than 13,000 organizations and individuals who envision a future free from plastic pollution. BFFP promotes common values of environmental protection and social justice. We acknowledge that to bring systemic change, we need to tackle plastic pollution across the whole plastics value chain, from the extraction of fossil fuels that serve as the feedstock of plastic, all the way to the disposal of plastic waste. Welcome to the Podcast of Plastic. We have debunked myths, determined the root of the problem, and now we try to move forward. How? I'm your host, Antoinette Toss. Join me as we listen to activists and green warriors from all over Asia as we come up with an answer to the question, how do I help and where do I start? This last episode is the shining hope that we offer you listeners. There is hope. Yes. If we join in the fight, now. This podcast is inspired by the Emmy-awarded documentary, The Story of Plastic. If you haven't seen The Story of Plastic, we recommend giving it a chance. We need to wake up and shape up for this earth because we only have one home planet. For more information on The Story of Plastic and Break Free from Plastic, go to www.breakfreefromplastic.org. Today is a very special day as we are speaking to some friends across the region, of course, warriors against waste that are dedicating their lives to make a huge impact on plastic pollution across the world. A positive impact, that is. We have with us Jed Aligado, Break Free From Plastic Senior Communications Officer for Asia Pacific, and Roshan Rai, a member of Zero Waste Himalaya, India. Hello, Roshan. Hello, Jed. We are so grateful to have you with us. And could you tell us where you are coming to us live from? And also, what's the situation on plastics where you are?
0: I'm calling in from Darjeeling, northeastern part of India and in the Himalaya. And uh, yeah, we're up in the mountains. Uh, I'm logging in from 7,000 feet above sea level. And uh, uh, we never realized that, like, you know, uh, 20 years ago that we would actually be uh, facing a Himalayan crisis of, of plastic pollution, you know, because uh, like Himalayas have always been talked about clean and pristine h- high up there and mountains have this understanding of sacredness and pristine. But I think in the last 10 years, we've had an explosion of plastic pollution in the mountains and every waterway, every like roadside and every like you know, small, small uh, neighbor road has like, you know, somewhere Uh, out in the open or slightly hidden, plastic waste flowing down.
1: And Jed, Jed Allegado, could you tell us where you're coming to us from? And uh, what's the situation of plastic uh, where you are right now?
2: So I'm currently in Quezon City in the Philippines. Yes, it's part of the National Capital Region. There's been a lot of uh, progress before COVID-19 happened with all the single-use plastic bans, etc., in different municipalities in the Philippines, probably in Southeast Asia, I, I can say that too. But due to, to COVID at the beginning, right, because of the lockdowns, etc., so we're kind of fearful of the possible transmission, right, of COVID-19 via like reusable, etc. But we've debunked it in one of the episodes of the podcast of Plastic, yeah, and now, for example, kudos to Kesson ctlgu LGU for actually continuing with the single use uh, plastic bands, right, in, in establishments and in grocery supermarkets despite the you know the COVID nineteen situation.
1: Wow, that's a really amazing example of um, leadership and political will, if you really look at it, because as you mentioned, we did debunk those myths, and there really is no reason to not be able to implement them in that way, if only there is that effort to do it. I feel like today, what we really want to kind of uh, discuss together is, you know, what a plastic-free Asia could possibly look like. And we believe that this is possible. Of course, it's not a matter of if it's possible, it is. But how can the different sectors actually work to make that happen. But speaking of um, your uh, individual perspectives, uh, I'd like to uh, focus on Roshan really quickly. Uh, You mentioned, of course, the Himalayas. And when we think of that, people sometimes forget that pollution really is everywhere, wherever people are, Could you tell us what made you decide to start your journey against plastics? And, you know, how is the situation now, do you think, compared to when you began your journey? Do you think we're actually making progress or do you think um, the world is just producing so much more than we can handle?
0: We started work with small farmers looking at organic farming. That's how we started, like, it, you know, and... uh, we were below the Dajling town you know and uh, this rural community and one day we could see uh, rain coming on Dajling town and uh, and then the small river swelled like really swelled up and then there's loads of, of of plastic coming through the in that river and so that's kind of, kind of our trigger you know we realized like we can't just work on Farming practices alone and look at sustainability in agroecology if we don't address what's coming upstream you know that's that's pretty much how we started our our journey of addressing uh, waste. The economy boomed and uh, and fast moving consumer durables has dramatically increased and so if you look at recent data from India, like you know uh, packaged food and processed food have doubled its consumption you know, and so in that sense, I think we are in a crisis of extremely High amount of multi-layered plastic that primarily comes from like fast-moving consumer durables, whether it be food or personal care per se, you know, and that's been a dramatic shift. But at the same time, like you know, uh, I think uh, the understanding has dramatically changed also in India. If you look at the Himalaya per se, we have a plethora of plastic uh, bag bans across the mountains, are uh, different levels of effectiveness. But uh, but then there is like the elected taking stand, recognizing the Himalaya is ecologically fragile.
1: Oh wow, really? That's amazing.
0: So, one hand you have these government uh, regulations of banning single-use plastic bags, and then communities and even religious organizations. We have a couple of examples in Darjeeling and Sikkim where, like monasteries and monks have said, please don't offer processed and packaged food in our religious ceremony. So we are very hopeful about that, you know, but I think uh, what is also extremely uh, important in terms of the narrative that has changed uh, in the past two, three years, maybe like from 2016 is extended producer responsibility is largely being discussed in India, which, uh, you know, when we start, when we started like, you know, 20 years ago, we think about it. Right. And uh, every legislator who came to the legislators meet, like, you know, they were around, uh, 30 of them, some in person, some online, and everyone declared that the mountains need strategies as well as policies to end single-use plastic, as well as strengthen EPR for the mountains, you know, so we are hopeful for that, you know, yeah.
1: I wanted to take the conversation over to Jed, to really see, you know. Similarly, Jed, uh, what inspired you to start your journey or decide, you know, to take control of this journey forward towards uh, really eliminating plastics, you know, from from society? Uh, what do you think your inspiration was?
2: Thanks, Tony, for that really good question. Yes, yeah, so I've been in the movement since four years ago, around uh, July 2017. And then through the movement, I really learned the, you know, the the entire life cycle issue of plastics and how we'd want as a movement to tackle the different uh, stages of the life cycle of plastics from production up to, actually extraction up to disposal, right? So I feel that um, now it's really a good opportunity for us again to revisit the solutions that have already been uh, there. To combat plastic pollution crisis that we have in the region, zero waste communities, zero waste management systems, and hopefully corporations will see that they will see okay, no need for plastic. We'll also follow suit and you know be more responsible through EPR or extended producer responsibilities um policies yeah.
1: So what what do you think, when we speak of whether it's impacting communities and plastics being made of fossil fuels, all the way to the solutions that maybe exist and don't exist, what do you think uh, is one of the most powerful aspects that we should focus on in order to have a more concrete pathway forward?
0: Uh, one of the things that uh, we've been really uh, looking at is the intersect of local food cultures and in indigenous food cultures you know and so for us in the Himalaya the zero waste Himalaya network what we found out is this tremendous not we found out we we know it's there tremendous local food cultures that are unpackaged that are local very Like, you know, food miles are low, like, you know, and very tasty also, right? And it's part of our culture and the diversity of food cultures from the Western Himalaya to the Northeastern part in terms of grains, in terms of forest produce, in terms of foraged food, in terms of processed food and the linkage it has to our identity, our language, our culture and talking about it has been a very powerful thing, you know, and I guess it also with COVID, it also shows that like we can live off our land and of our forest and off our rivers, you know. What we started is in Zero Waste Himalaya, we've actually asking people to just take photographs of local food markets and uploading on Google Maps and saying, hey, like if you're in Darjeeling, these are the local food markets. If you're in Gantok, if you're in Kohima, in Shillong, you know, all across.
1: I I couldn't agree more. I mean, even in the Philippines, that sense of loving local. We always emphasize that uh, whenever you support local products, local businesses, wherever you go, local communities, not only are you possibly helping eliminate trash because it's actually packaged in natural packaging, most especially if it is from indigenous and local communities, which is amazing because they bring that wonderful knowledge uh, through their legacy, through their heritage and their culture. And I feel that uh, the second point you made uh, as well um, in terms of packaging, I feel that comes with extended producer responsibility as well. And not just that transparency. I think Jed might have some thoughts on on what you said and how uh, how you feel break free from plastic has actually been able to start creating a huge shift in this as well.
2: Yeah. I think it's also good uh, to remember right that more often than not, when governments or companies you know decide on the boardrooms on their, Policies, right, or in their um, decisions about their, their businesses, you know? the voices of communities, impacted communities, low income communities, are often, you know, sidelined, uh, right. So, I think uh, we definitely have to, to consider the all the the, the voices possible whenever we, we we decide on on things. I think it's part of uh, also being inclusive and participatory in terms of uh, decision making processes policies wise and um, decisions that will affect business and consumers as well.
1: Ooh, we're actually being joined by another one of our warriors from the Asia-Pacific, of course, fighting against plastic pollution, Eshnina Agilani, and she is a youth leader and activist from Indonesia. But of course, she is fondly called Nina. Nina, welcome. We just wanted to uh, see where you're coming to us from. Are you in Indonesia right now? And uh, maybe you could share with us, how is the plastic pollution situation in Indonesia today?
3: Right now, I'm at Gresik, East Java, Indonesia, and the government they not really have you know like a good intention. I think like they just only thirty percent people who have uh, the government who just gave the people like a great waste management collection, and that's just in the city, not not in the village like me. So, so every day people just throw their way to the river to the riverbank to the roadside and no one cares about it so we have to we have to ask the government we have to push the government we have to make it viral so that the government will be shy how old
1: are you nina (laughs) i'm 14 oh my god Wow, 14 years old. Uh, can you tell our listeners uh, more about your journey? Like at what age did you start and what inspired you to decide to really take this challenge on as we know the plastic pollution crisis is not a simple problem to solve? And since you began your journey, uh do you think have you seen a difference from then until now? Is it a positive difference? Is it a negative difference? Yes. Okay, so I
3: I don't know how like how old am I? Am I starting the uh, activists? activist? Actually, because of my parents, there are also activists uh, like the river defender. Yeah. So since I was very very young, they always took me to the river, doing like uh, observation, examine the microplastic, and they always teach me how to love the environment. We have to keep the environment clean for my future also. So when I maybe like elementary school, all of my friends, we just we just bring our plastic drink and like a snack, like a sachet. And when I go back and I tell my parents and they said they were very, very mad at me. And that time <laughs> they explained why it's very dangerous. So, yeah, I started a zero waste lifestyle with my family and... Yeah, they always took me to the clean river and also a very dirty river. And they teach me how to, not really teach me, just ask me to join them to do like demonstration in front of the government. And I'm, I really wanted to do that. And all of this action and this activity with my parents and my friends, i really happy and I really
1: enjoy to do that. And I want to do it more. So, yeah. Now I will shift on to another question. How can we help people start their journey towards a plastic-free future? And not just that, in being a part of effective solutions that are actually impactful. Is there maybe a list of things that you might be able to mention how uh, people can actually do this in a number of ways?
0: Like Jed said, we got into the uh, Break Free from Plastic movement at Zero Waste Himalaya in 2018 with the Waste and Brand Audit, you know, and it's been a very powerful uh, movement per se at an individual level, you know, and so this year also we did it, but we did it from the, we call it the Himalayan cleanup, and this year we did it from home. But in 2018, when we first did the Himalayan cleanup, like we had such a lot of people really involved. We crossed 20,000 volunteers, over 200 sites across the Himalaya. And so, you know, so I think the Waste and Brand Audit has been a powerful insight. And this year to kind of summarize it, we kind of said the Waste and Brand Audit for Mialin Cleanup must have three uh, words, reflect, you know, sh- switch and demand. And so that's been a very powerful switch, demand, you know, and so and so people this year did one week of of home audits. So they reflected on their consumption patterns and made switches. So for me, the list is definitely like, you know, uh, having a reflective space, changing yourselves. But then to go beyond and not just switch, but also to demand, you know, because I think ultimately the systemic uh, uh, policy, systemic changes are required. You know, yeah. So that narrative is very strong. And it takes a while to break it, you know, and uh, even the most informed person will say, oh, like, let, let's start off with a dustbin, you know, and, and I think that's, that's, that's not the solution.
1: How about Nina? Yeah, I make a team called River Warrior with my sister. What's your sister's name? Tara. Tara. Oh, Tara, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, we made like a youth organization called Trevor Warrior. We made it like 2019. So my sister, she's still high school. Right now she's already in university. they <laughs> focusing on our school. So we made exhibition uh, at her school and also in my school, in the middle school. And then we did a lot of campaigns to refuse and reduce single-use plastic and educate our friends how... The dangers of plastic, burning plastic, because uh, a lot of people here they just burn their plastic waste and throw it to the river and to the roadside, and it's just it's normal for them. Right now it's rainy season, right now, right here. So yeah, a lot of my friends they
1: floods. Ah, uh, it's, you know, the, it, these issues are really common for us across the Asia Pacific region. That's why it's something that we don't just address for our countries alone. It's for all of us, you know, because it is similar situations.
3: Yeah, and... Uh, well in the future (laughs) not in the future i just want to make like a program called letter for future so i'm going to ask all youth all children to ask the government what what do we want we i just teach them how to wrote letter to the president or to the government as they want yeah it's it's my plan
1: Wow, you are incredible, Nina. We support you in all that you do, and I feel that you actually represent such a good example uh, for others to be able to follow suit. And how about you, Jed?
2: Yeah. So first, I'd like to pick up also on what uh, Rashan said on individual responsibility. Of course, we honor, yeah, and we really all, of course, respect, no, um, how. For example, ordinary citizens at first, uh, they become an ally in terms of this issue through, you know, they being first conscious about their individual plastic consumption, etc. Eventually, probably throughout their exposure with with, uh, how different citizen groups are Really campaigning for a more holistic approach and plastic uh, take on plastic pollution, being exposed to bit free from plastic, you would really see, you know, that it's sometimes it's not you know individual responsibility can only do so much. At a certain extent, you of course you have to bring it at a systemic level. This is why you, you of course you, can, you do brand audits, so you campaign for plastic-free future through different policies, um, corporate, government, and you know, uh, campaign and advocate, right? So, yeah, so we see it as, as part of really shifting uh, the narrative, right, that really people are taking action, especially people who in Asia and Southeast Asia and other parts of Asia that more often than that are often actually being blamed you know, for this, uh, the, this crisis, all these things, you know, at the end of it, it's all about really stopping plastic production, right? full stop at a source right so really you know petrochem oil and gas you know uh, et etc and really shifting to uh ecological uh, solutions and uh being also being conscious of 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 uh the narrative that's that's out there because uh, yeah more often than not because of the big PR stance of and also money of these corporations they're able to somehow um hack and also subvert the true meaning of the the our the, the good policies that we have zero waste, sustain that we're just even though we're sustainable etc they've often been been twisted you know in, in their favors right so but, but in the end when you try to dissect it these are all greenwashing these are all do not really translate to the real solution which is to stop plastic production
1: we actually did a really good episode on greenwashing, so you can check back on past episodes of the podcast of Plastic. So we're free to daydream here. And just for one last question, I, I really want to ask each of you if you could paint us a picture of what a plastic-free future could really look like for both people and the planet and how you think different sectors can really collaborate and work together to make this happen. And I know you've mentioned so many beautiful aspects of how this is already happening in your own countries and in your own areas. But once again, paint us a picture of a plastic-free future. Roshan?
0: Yeah, I think like for me, I mean, uh, definitely not to see plastic in the himalaya is one one big thing you know and uh which then goes on to add uh like you know like for me i think very strongly then local farmers take ownership of of the production as like you know the processing as well as the eating cultures of the region like you know we hardly see local cuisines in in town but also equally like some of the processes that are food based gets expanded and explored and then the kids enjoy it right and uh, like like birthdays and weddings and funerals actually serve local food you know produced locally you know I think that's an important thing for my, for my for my dream per se because it it also connects our rural economy which is extremely challenging Challenged as of now. Having said that, I also think it also intersects with uh, conservation and forest resources that are so rich in the mountains, you know, and that linkage is dramatically there. And then uh, equally, uh, like our uh, Travel destination is something that uh, Darjeeling is uh, mean the Himalayas part of it. And then tourists also get to explore these local food cultures and not just look at the mountains. And that way also local uh, like local food cultures would mean tourists get to explore something in depth and don't eat out of packaged food, you know.
1: Oh my goodness, Roshan, you know, I think the picture that you painted us right now is something we can all agree that will be a better world. And I feel like will really be a win-win for both people and the planet. And as you mentioned, even when it comes to ecotourism, I wish there was so much more of that integrating the wonderful knowledge and skills and culinary capabilities of local communities as well. And... Thank you again for sharing that beautiful picture. We turn over to Jed. (laughs) Do you have a a picture that you would like to paint of a plastic-free future, not just of course for the Philippines, but across the world?
2: Yeah, I think definitely different um, stakeholders should work together uh, should find the common ground and work together in really solving the plastic pollution crisis. So communities are informed and they are actually the front and center in terms of um, managing their own uh, resources, of uh, deciding on what uh, the, the pathway that uh, they want for their Future and having a voice for the community, or also because for you know for future generations as well for their kids, and then uh, they're part of the decision-making processes wherein governments and uh, corporations are really uh, enacting policies that will really elevate on how we uh, go forward toward the, uh, towards towards a plastic-free future. You know, they're working hand in hand with. Government, evident, uh, civil society organizations, environmental groups, uh, and of course, there's a, a proliferation of uh, refill and reusable systems, right, which contain healthy, nutritious food. Yeah
1: really showing that the power between PPP, public-private partnerships, and not just that, but including, as you mentioned, local communities, having a voice in discussions uh, and also in the solutions moving forward. That's amazing, Jen. Now let's hear it from Nina.
3: Yeah, actually for me, my, my message for the young generation is, so every, as children, we have the rights to live in a safe, clean, healthy river, healthy air. We have the right for that, and so the right now, the present generation. You should not steal our basic rights, and it could endanger our lives in the future. So, as a consumer, we have you have to really think: Are you really, really need this pro this product? Yeah, not because of you really want it, but because you really need it. You really need it or not? And also. I want to write letter to the producer because there there's a EPR extended production responsibility. Of course, you know about that. Yeah, they have to take responsibility because they just sell all of all of our, their products to the all over the world, and they never care about their waste. So I want to ask them their responsibility because yeah, they we have the right to live in a clean environment, right? So as children, and now the generation a lot of people that not really care about this issue about the environment about the
1: future so just the young generation we're the one who can save our own future thank you so much for sharing all that so much wisdom at such a young age Honestly, I am deeply inspired by the work that you are doing, and I feel that you really provide such a wonderful perspective from both angles, whether it's communities and how powerful it is when you meld or mesh this with policy. And um, thank you for what you do for being a warrior, not just for your area and your region and your country, but for the world. We are truly grateful for all that you do, and we wish you well in your journey forward. Roshan Rai from Zero Waste Himalaya, India, Jed Aligado from Break Free From Plastic, and youth leader and activist, Ashnina Akilani from Indonesia. Planeteers, it's the last episode of the first season of the podcast of Plastic. I know it's been a ride for us. And if you ever want to refresh your memories, please feel free to listen back on our past episodes and share the links among your circles and friends as well. You can also host screenings of the Story of Plastic documentary by heading on over to www.breakfreefromplastic.com. Org. Check out another Break Free From Plastic podcast as well, People Over Plastic, which offers more voices from the movement from around the world. This may be our final episode, but I hope that the whole series has helped us become individuals who are better equipped with the truths about plastics and what we can do about it. This final episode is a gentle guide on how you can start on your own as a more informed, concerned individual. An individual against plastics, for the ocean, for the planet, for yourself. See you around this planet, Planeteers. The only planet we have.